0: We are in week three of this series called Battle for the Throne, or Battle for Our Hearts. And that's what we're doing. We are looking at the different idols that battle for the throne of our hearts, that want to dethrone God and sit on the throne. At the very least, they want to co-rule with God and control you. At the very least, they want you to love, trust, and obey them. Because that's what an idol is anything you love more than God, anything you trust more than God, and anything that you obey more than God. And some of the most dangerous idols come out of life's biggest questions. And so we're going to focus on one of life's big questions today, and that question is this, what is the meaning of life? As we look at how we fill ourselves for meaning, we're going to find our idols. They're going to come out. And that's what we look at with Ecclesiastes chapter 2. King Solomon asked the same question. King Solomon was looking to answer that very question. What is the meaning of life? How do I fill myself with enough things, or what do I fill myself with to have meaning? and purpose. King Solomon, if you don't know his story real quick, he was the the son of King David and Bathsheba. He ruled Israel around 980-970 BC, and when he first took the throne, God approached Solomon and and granted him a request. He said, you can ask for one thing, anything, Solomon, and I'm going to give it to you. What did Solomon ask for? wisdom. He didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for glory. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for his enemies to be defeated. He asked for wisdom to lead God's people. And God was so happy with Solomon's response. He said, here's the deal, Solomon, because you you asked for wisdom and not those other things, I'm going to grant you wisdom, but I'm also going to grant you all these other things. I'm going to grant you wealth. I'm going to grant you power. I'm going to grant you fame and glory, defeat of your enemy. And as we look through 1 Kings in the Old Testament, that's what we see. King Solomon had more wealth than anybody. King Solomon had fame and glory to where people came to see Jerusalem because he built it up so much. King Solomon had a kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, expand its borders beyond anything that it ever did before or did after. And he was the wisest person around. People traveled all over, from all over, to come to Solomon and listen to him teach. And he taught on every topic. He talked about plant life as he described cedar trees. All the way down to the hyssop growing on the walls, the molds, and, and everything. He talked about plant or animal life, reptiles. He he talked about fish in the sea. He taught about the birds in the air. He taught about everything. And people came to listen. But he couldn't answer and teach about this one thing. What's the meaning of life? What fills us? with meaning in this world. And that's what he addresses in Ecclesiastes. Towards the end of his life, he writes this book. It's a philosophy book, really, on what the meaning of life is and where we look for meaning and where we look to be fulfilled with meaning. And so we're going to look at chapter 2 today. Chapter 2, and we're going to see one area where Solomon turned to fill himself with meaning and purpose. And so that's where we are. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, here's what we're told. I said to myself, this is King Solomon, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Notice what, where is Solomon looking? He said, I'm going to test you with pleasure. He turned to the pleasures of this world to try to fill himself with the pleasures of this world, to feel fulfilled, to feel like he's got meaning and purpose and satisfaction. And as we look through 1 through ten, one uh, 1 through 9 actually, we're going to see three different areas that he looked, and I'm going to call it with a P word. So the pleasures of party is this first one. Laughter, wine, and embracing folly, embracing foolishness, doing ungodly things. He partied it up, lived it up, and it was a good time, to be honest with you. Solomon had a great time. But look what it ended. It ended with laughter is madness. He filled himself with alcohol, thinking he'd be filled and satisfied. And he embraced folly as they got together at parties and did ungodly things, talked ungodly. And in the end, he said it was meaningless. At first, it was fun. At first, it filled him. And he couldn't wait till the next time. But the next time came, and the next time came, and it was this constant needing to be filled with the pleasures of party, with laughter, with folly, and with alcohol. And pretty soon he said, this is meaningless. This isn't fulfilling. The pleasures of laughter, alcohol, folly, doesn't fill. And so he changes to something else. Verse 4, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself myself, and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit fruit, fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. Let's stop right there. This one, the pleasure of projects, the pleasure of work. Solomon built up Jerusalem. He built the great temple of God. He built himself a palace that took 13 years to complete. I know we put up houses pretty quick here in Austin, uh, but 13 years for that time was still a really long time. He built his queen a palace just for herself. He built the hall of justice where he judged from. He built up gardens. He built up trees. And he made an irrigation system to water them so that he had big, beautiful trees. He built other houses and other cities for himself. Project after project after project. And it was meaningless. It didn't fill him and satisfy him with meaning and purpose. And so he turns to one more P. Verse 7. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and princes. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. The pleasure of possessions, pleasure of party. Pleasure of projects, pleasures of possessions. He had male and female slaves. He didn't have to cook. He didn't have to clean. He didn't have to do laundry. He didn't have to do any house chores. He didn't have to mow the grass. He had people to do that. Solomon was the ultimate, I got a guy, guy. You needed something done, Solomon has a guy. Because he's got male and female slaves doing all his bidding. He had more flocks and herds and cattle than anyone in Jerusalem before him or after him. He had gold and silver like it was nothing. He had female and male singers, which to you and me is no big deal. But he had entertainment right in his palace. He didn't have Alexas or Google Homes. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have an iPad. He didn't have... a a radio he didn't have a cd player he didn't have a record player if you wanted to hear singing you had to go to the temple or the theater but not solomon because he had people in the halls of his palace singing entertaining him and he had a harem not only did he have a queen solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines he had every pleasure that you could dream of. And what does he say? It's meaningless. It doesn't bring fulfillment. It doesn't fulfill you with meaning. It doesn't fulfill you with purpose. You're left looking and saying, it's meaningless. And so that's your first point this morning if you're in, in your worship folder. When we look to pleasures for meaning will end up empty when you look to pleasures for meaning you end up empty where are you looking to be filled how are you looking to fulfill the desire to have meaning and purpose what are you filling yourself with to find satisfaction Is it one of these three areas that Solomon was looking? Is it party? Friday night? Friday night wine with the ladies? A couple bottles of wine, talking about life, and you're filled? It'll fill you for a little bit, but then like a drug, you need it again, and again, and again, because it doesn't bring full satisfaction. It doesn't bring full meaning and purpose to your life. Is it getting together with uh, other adults, hanging out, drinking, laughing at god- ungodly jokes, coarse jokes, ungodly talk? It's fun. It's fun getting laughs, but it doesn't bring long-term satisfaction. In fact, it just hurts your relationship with God. Now that, that COVID is kind of maybe getting back to normal here, have you missed your experiences? And that's what fills you. Your experiences with concerts, with bar hopping. And now you're excited because you can get back into the party scene and it fills you for a little bit, but it doesn't bring true satisfaction, it doesn't bring true fulfillment. And meaning, it just leaves you empty. Maybe it's projects. Maybe the reason you're going from job to job to job to job is because you're trying to fulfill yourself with projects, with work. You're trying to find meaning and satisfaction in your job, and you're not loving it. And so you go from job to job to job trying to find that filling, meaning aspect of your life. Or maybe you're on the other side of that. You don't really like your job, but you don't really care because you're just saving up a bunch of money and your pleasure is going to come at the end when you get to retire and enjoy all of your hard work that the projects have produced. All of it will end the same. Not fulfilled. Finally, maybe it's possessions. Maybe it's the newest things. Maybe it's just the things that you have. This week as I was uh, reflecting on this, I, I thought to myself and, and thought through, would I be able to turn off my cell phone and put it in the kitchen drawer for a whole week? Be completely disconnected? I don't know. Do you know why? It's not because I'd miss phone calls from my family or texts from my family. It's because I'm kind of addicted to Twitter and, and the sports guys that I follow on there. How am I going to know what's happening in the sports world if I'm not on Twitter? All those possessions. Is that what you're looking to f- for fulfillment and satisfaction and meaning and purpose? It'll end up the same way that Solomon did. We're going to look and say it's meaningless. None of these things are bad except for the ungodly talk. But none of them are bad in and of themselves. But when we look to them for purpose and meaning and we trust in them and obey them more than God, that's when these things become a problem. That's when we look and we say, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not satisfied. And we're going to end the same way that Solomon did in verse 10 and 11. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Like that... Uh, girl from uh, Willy Wonka who just wants all of the candy and just eating everything, uh, that's kind of what Solomon was. I, did not, I denied myself nothing. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, yet this, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. He says, I chased after all these pleasures. I obeyed them. I trusted them. And what was gained? Nothing. He said, it was a chasing after the wind. If we were to stop right now and we went outside and we tried to catch the wind, which we could do because it's always windy here, if we went outside and we tried to catch the wind and put it in buckets, how many bucketfuls would we have of wind when we came back inside? None. You can't catch wind. Solomon says if you're looking for meaning if you're looking to be fulfilled with the pleasures of this world you're chasing after the wind your bucket's never going to be full and that was the essence of what Tom Brady said even if you don't watch football you know Tom Brady don't you it's because he's the greatest football player to ever play not a controversy facts are facts I'm sorry people I'm not even even a New England fan. I'm not a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, but facts are facts. He's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Tom Brady has won seven Super Bowls. The majority of NFL players pray that they get to one and hope that they win. Tom Brady gets to the Super Bowl, has a chance to get to the Super Bowl more often than Steph Curry has at hitting a three-pointer. That is how many times he goes to the Super Bowl, and he's won seven. This past summer with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, they, they celebrated in July a ring ceremony for winning the Super Bowl last year. And a reporter asked Tom Brady, he said, Tom, you now have seven rings, seven championship rings. Which one was your favorite? He said, the next one. The pinnacle of his career, winning a Super Bowl, what guys dream of winning. He's won 7, and which one's his favorite? The next one. Because it's never fulfilling. Now the media and all the reporters applauded him and said, "Wow, look at Tom Brady. That's the drive that makes a player great." And yet we look at it in relation to what Ecclesiastes chapter 2 says and what do we what do we say? He's looking to the pleasure of winning a Super Bowl to feel fulfilled. And just a few months after he won, he's no longer filled. After winning seven, he needs more. When you look to the pleasures of this world to feel fulfilled, satisfied, when you look for meaning and purpose in the pleasures, you're going to end up empty. And so where's the hope? According to Solomon... Let's look at verse 24. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing, after the wind. When we look to God, this is your point number two, when we look to God uh, for meaning, we'll always be filled. Solomon says, nothing in this world satisfies. The only way we can eat, drink, and be satisfied with our work is from the hand of God. It's from the hand of God. He brings satisfaction and enjoyment to the pleasures of of this world and the only way that happens is when we have pleasures the pleasures of this world in its right spot and the right spot is not the throne of your heart when god is on the throne of your heart pleasures then take its rightful place and then we have meaning then we're filled and we're satisfied this is what jesus talked about when he said i am the bread of life it's when we go to jesus that we find fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose and meaning. And so let me tell you three biblical truths that are going to fill you with meaning and purpose and that's going to satisfy you and fill you not just now, not just next week, but for eternity. Number one, biblical truth number one, you were created by God for God. That is who you are. You were created by God for God. God created you to have a relationship with Him. He created you to love, to care for, and then He created you to love and serve Him. Sin entered the world and broke that relationship so that we can no longer see God and be with God physically. But our purpose still remains the same. And the God of this world loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to restore that relationship, to repair that broken relationship between you and him so that you know that your sins are forgiven, so that you know that when you die, you're going to be with him face to face forever. God created us to be with him. That's how we created it, the world, and that's how the world is going to end, with humanity, being with God forever, because that's our purpose in life, is to be with God. He created you. He created you for himself, and he restored your relationship with him through his son Jesus. And now we know that the God of this world is on his throne, ruling all things for our good, so that we can maintain a relationship with him both now and forever. That is who you are. And the second biblical truth goes with it. This is, who our, this is our relationship with God. We were created for that. And so, number two, through Jesus, because our sins are forgiven, we can glorify God. God receives our praise and thanks. Through Jesus, God looks down on you and is pleased with you. And so as we go throughout our week, we get to glorify God in every aspect of our life. As we do this, as we remember that we were created by God for God and we live to worship and serve Him, it keeps God number one in our heart. It keeps God right here at the center. And when God is on the throne, all the pleasures of this world take its proper place. And that's where biblical truth number three comes in. God did create this world filled with pleasure. He wants you to enjoy this world, but he wants you to enjoy it in its proper place. And the proper place is not to be fulfilled with meaning and purpose in life through them. That comes through him and his relationship with you, that he's won for you, that he saved you for, that he created you for. And when we look to God to be God, and we love, trust, and obey him above all else, then the things of this world, the pleasures of this world become pleasurable and we find satisfaction in them. Then we can work, and we work hard. Even if we don't like our job, we can work. And at night, we go to bed, and we feel fulfilled. Why? Because I lived and worked to praise God and glorify Him today through my hard work. It changes the way I view homework for you kids in school. Because now I do homework not because my teacher says I have to, not because my parents say I have to. I do homework. Why? to glorify God as I use the brain that God gave me. And I get to glorify him as I learn about his creation. It changes the way that I view my possessions. I get to glorify God through the, how I use my possessions. It changes the way I view uh, the party life and my social interactions. Now I glorify God as I enter those social interactions by having godly conversations, by talking about godly things, not about coarse joking, not about uh, ungodly things, but I glorify God through the way I talk and handle myself in social interactions. Then I go to bed at night feeling fulfilled because today I glorified my God who saved me, who forgave me, who died and rose again that I may have an eternal relationship with him. As we find our purpose, our meaning, and we fill ourselves on the bread of life, Everything else takes its place, in its proper place. And then I find satisfaction in my work. I find satisfaction in the pleasures of this world because God's on the throne and he's filled me. Let's fill ourselves with him, with the forgiveness of sins, with the resurrection. And then the pleasures of this world will take its proper place and we'll be full and satisfied with meaning and purpose for now and forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise and thank you that you created us for yourself to have a relationship with you both now and forever. We thank you that you sent Jesus so that our sins are forgiven, that death has been conquered, and now that relationship doesn't end with the grave, but that relationship goes on forever. And it's our purpose and meaning in life to be with you, to grow with you, to serve you, to love you, and to trust you. Because of Jesus, we can do just that. Uh, We thank you that Uh, We get to serve you and trust you and love you and obey you above all things. And let us do that today. Let us glorify you in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. As we approach the pleasures of this world in a way that glorifies you, with that in mind, we will find satisfaction. We'll find fulfillment and we'll find happiness uh, because at the end of the day, we glorified you through everything we did. Be with us. Help us to grow closer to our Savior. Let us feed on him the bread of life that we may have forgiveness of sins and be assured of the eternal life that he wants for us. In your name we pray. Amen.